Welcome back, everybody. We are here with the Purple Book. We've been discussing doctrines. We started this last week and talked about sin and salvation. Mari, what's our discussion for today? We're going to be talking about lordship and obedience. And don't worry, we'll tell you what those things mean. Awesome. <laughs> those are big words. Yeah, those are pretty big <laughs> words. So uh, just as a quick recap, doctrine is just a summary of beliefs that are found through Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's not folklore. It's not cultural. It's not something we get from songs. It's, it's diving into the root of Scripture itself and mm-hmm. finding out truth. And so that's what we're going to be doing today as we look at the doctrine of lordship and obedience. Yes. But before we do that, we would like you to help us out. You can like and subscribe to these videos. Ding! <laughs> um... <laughs> But that really helps us out. It helps get the word out there with the different algorithms. (laughs) It helps push that information out so more people can see that. Exactly. And if if you subscribe, you'll never miss an announcement video that comes out with Pastor John and Teresa. So you'll always be in the loop of what's going on here at the church. There you go. So before we dive in, we're just going to take a moment to pray and ask that God would meet us in this session. So Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word that never returns void. Mm. Father, so we pray as we dive into your word today, as we look at what you have left behind for us, you would bring it to life for us. Lord, that it would speak to each and every one of us, whether we are watching at whatever time by ourselves with somebody else, Lord, you have a purpose for what is going to be said today. So we thank you, Lord. We're just so grateful that we can access you in this way. Amen. 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 Well, Mari's going to be starting us off. All right. So the first thing I want to say is, you know, and and Pastor Jonathan talked about what doctrine was, but I just want to say I'm not a pastor. I don't have any formal training. And I, I share that because I want you guys to know that the word of God is for everyone. You don't have to go to school to dive in and to really become in tune with it. I encourage you just to do your study on your own. You're doing this now, so that's great. Mm. But Um, it's for everybody. You don't have to go to school for it. I just think that's really important. Mm. Okay, so lordship, right? Fancy schmancy word. And I like to look up definitions of things so that we really understand before we dive in. So lordship over someone means that it is supreme power or rule. So that's what we're going to look at is Jesus's supreme power and rule in our lives. And obedience, a definition, if we look that up, is compliance with an order, request, or law, Or, and this is really what we're talking about, submission to another's authority, Hmm. right? So obedience being submission to Christ's authority in our lives. And I know that it's probably going to be difficult to talk about because Hmm. um, in modern culture, submission to anybody or even acknowledging that there's an authority is a big cultural issue. Yeah. It's all about us all the time. Yeah. So we are the me right now. All right. So we're just going to read through. There's three scriptures that really are the focus if you dive into the book. And we're going to read through those quickly. Um, do you want to take the first one? Yeah. So um, this comes straight from Purple Book. So I'm not sure what translation they're using. So I'm putting that out there. But yeah. it's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 16. It says, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commandments and decrees and laws, then you will live. Mm, only then will you live, right? Mm. Uh, the next one's from Luke six forty six to 48. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So important. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them in, into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. 
And then uh, finally, the last verse in here comes from John fourteen fifteen. This is the words of Jesus. And he said that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. It's pretty deep. Yeah, because if we if we're honest, most of us would say, "Yeah, we love you, Jesus." That's you know we're, we we want to be your followers. We call ourselves Christians. We believe in you. We love you, but we don't always keep his commands, and that's very convicting. And so that's the first thing we actually want to talk about is uh, the difference between being a Christian and being a Christ follower, because they're not the same. No, no, they're not the same. So that one that we just read, which was in Luke, it says, why do you call me Lord, but do not do what I say? And that's really convicting because we want to call him Lord. We want to be kind of in his favor, but we don't want to follow his commandments all the time. And the pastors actually preached about that a little bit this past Sunday, which was kind of interesting. It tied right in here. Um, I'm going to look up the scripture. You have anything that you wanted to add? In yeah, there? I, I wanted to add that too because sometimes it's it's not always wanting to keep the commandments. Sometimes it's not mm. knowing, and so yes. part of the responsibility of being a Christ follower is to know what Christ stood for, mm-hmm. and that's that's again one of the reasons why we study doctrine, why we study the scripture, why we emphasize reading the Bible daily is important. I'm going to be honest; I don't always do that. I sometimes goof up. But I try, you know, as a pastor, I'm being honest, I, yeah. I sometimes mess up, but we want to be in God's word because it's, it's how Christ speaks to us. Yes. We pray, we study the word, we grow closer to Jesus. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yep. So in our society, many, many, many people will call themselves Christians, but they aren't following Christ's commands. And that is a huge difference. And, um, if we look in Luke, I want to look at Luke nine twenty three, and I'm in the New King James Version. So. She's going old school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the New King James. That's what my Bible is at home. That's what my Bible is at work. So it may sound a little different if you're looking in a different version, but in 923, because we really want to know, right? We don't want to just be called Christians. We want to be Christ followers. Um, we want to be disciples of Christ, always growing closer to him, because that is his wish for us. And in order to do that, Jesus tells us in Luke, as I said, 923, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Mm. So that's a lot. But the key word that I want you to hear in there is daily. As Pastor Jonathan just said, you don't read the word once a week and think you're going to grow closer to him, right? It's a daily thing that we have to do. We have to grow closer to him on a daily basis. But also if we look at that, it says, what is it, you know, what does it mean to take up your cross? And I have to say that when he wrote this, it wasn't, um, it wasn't representative of, of what we think of it now, right? We think of the cross and we think, oh, that's a beautiful thing. We want to wear it around our neck. We want to just remember what Jesus did for us. But back in that time, taking up a cross the only symbolism that was, was death. So in Christ's time, he was basically saying, you are going to die to yourself every day and allow me to be Lord of your life because that's what the cross meant. It wasn't this like fancy, beautiful thing. Um, But it also wasn't a burden to be carried, right? He's not saying you have to carry the burden every day. He's saying you have to submit it to me. Take up your cross daily, die to yourself. Mm. Yeah, the, I have the NLT translation, and, and it says you must give up your own way, your own way of living. Give yeah. up your own way. I like that. Yeah. 
And we have to remember that by, by doing that, by living in that way, we're living not earthly minded. We're living eternally minded and focused on our eternal self. Amen. Right? Yep. Yep. Or, or in other words, uh, kingdom-minded, you know? Yeah. So, sometimes when we say eternal-minded, we think, oh, we're just thinking about eternity. I t- actually talked with somebody this past That's week, and I asked them, you know, how are you doing? And this was here at church. This is no shame or nothing. And they were just like, oh, I'm just, I'm all right. I'm just, I'm living for eternity. Jesus is coming back. Well, God doesn't want us just <laughs> sitting passively and, sure. and, and sucking eggs. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but seriously, God wants us to enjoy the life that we have now, but live kingdom focused that God's principles come first. His mission comes first. Yes. We're to love God and serve all. We're not just waiting for God to rapture us because things feel uncomfortable today. Mm-hmm. If the early church did that, Christianity would have never spread under Rome. Think of all the persons they went through. God wants us to live kingdom minded and be in the present, not just waiting for eternity to happen, but realize Amen. eternity starts now. So yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's a good thing because we, we do have to think about that, right? We're not supposed to just focus on that, but we do want to focus on sharing the love of God. And we cannot do that if we don't have his love in our lives. And we cannot have his love in our lives if we are not in the word and we are not following his commands and being obedient to him. Anything else you want to say about Christian versus Christ follower before we kind of move on? Uh, well, like I said, I think you really hit on it that um, when a lot of people say they're Christian. Mm. You know, before I, I was here, I was pastoring down south and, and everyone would ascribe to being a Christian. Yeah. You know, the church I was at ascribed to be a Christian church. But half of the things that were being preached weren't even really coming from the Bible. So we need to be very careful as what do we define as Christian and what do we define as a Christ follower, Mm -hmm. you know, and and really look at what do these principles stand for? When somebody says they're Christian, are they living on God's word? Are they following Christ? Are they actively pursuing him and living out Mm -hmm. his values? And, and, And today it's going to be a lot harder just going to speak to the reality. It's going to be a lot harder to be a Christ follower because you're going to have to stand on issues that the world is telling you it doesn't value. And but yeah, the Bible doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But the Bible encourages us to not be conformed to the world, uh, one, but yeah. be transformed, transformed by the Word of God. So, Amen. so that that really I think sums it up between a Christ follower and and somebody who calls themselves a Christian. Are you being transformed by the Word of God? Are the social issues that are of today is, mm. is do you get your basis from the word of God or do you take your cue from culture? And that, that really is going to be the tension of today's lesson as we study the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love the way that Pastor Ryan put it and Pastor John may have done this as well, but he called it a cultural Christian. Are you a Christian that fits into the culture or you are, are you a disciple who's kind of standing out and following the word of God? Um, because that's a huge, huge difference. Mm. Um, all right. So the next, the next big kind of theme that we kind of talked about coming out of this second lesson was really hitting on and helping you to understand that the Bible, this book that we're holding in front of us, this is the word of God. And if you're a cultural Christian and if you listen to society, many of them will tell you that this is just stories. There are even religions that will tell you these are just stories. And we want to talk about that and just really just cut to the heart of that and let you know that's not true. <laughs> These are not just stories. The Bible is the living, breathing word of God. Um, and the first scripture that I want us to take a look at is Second Timothy three sixteen. Um, so we, if you've been in the church. 
probably have heard this one. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's what we're doing here, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So scripture has its purpose, and that is to be able to help us to learn, to grow closer to God, to grow closer to Christ, to correct us if we're wrong, to correct society if it's wrong. And now you might be sitting there and saying, okay, well, how do we know this, right? Mm. How do we know it's God-breathed? That, that doesn't, it says it's given by inspiration of God. Okay, how do we know that? I'm going to be real transparent and tell you that when I was seeking, I had a very hard time getting past my type A personality of you got to prove, you got to prove it, you got to prove it, right? Like if you don't witness a miracle, if you don't live through something, then your mind and the world can sometimes make it very difficult for you just to surrender what your heart knows and feels. And I went on my own little journey and um, found this awesome book. Okay, so hey, type A people out there, those of you that want some proof. I got it. Got it right here. What's the name of the book? Just because yeah. I can't see it. I know. And it's backwards, right? It's coming up there backwards. It's called Mathematics Proves Holy Scriptures. So this book is going to, if you take the time to read it, without a doubt, it's going to prove to you that this book that we have in front of us is God-breathed. There is no way it could have been written just by humans without the inspiration of God. Without going into too much detail, here's the very abbreviated Cliff Notes version. Greek and Hebrew which were the original languages the Bible was written in. They did not have digits, okay? No one, two, three, four, five. Every character, every letter had a numeric value. Hidden beneath the text in its original form are numerical patterns. Every single passage has numerical patterns. Now, what's a passage? It's anywhere from one sentence to a paragraph. It could be any number of things. And I just want to briefly, again, briefly share with you. So one passage in the Bible, one paragraph, let's say, when you look at the numerical patterns that were in that passage, there were almost 70 numerical features in that passage. So what you might say, doesn't matter, right? Okay. For 24 of those features in a passage, is this making sense so far? So far. Okay. I'm following. For 24 of those features to occur in a passage, randomly, without God's hand in them, just like law of chances, law of chances that scientists and mathematicians have studied, for 24 of them to happen, there's one chance in one quintillion, where's, oh, I gotta get it, I gotta get it. I got to get the actual number for you. This is it, but you can't really see it. There's one chance in one quintillion, 581 quadrillion, 231 trillion, 380 billion, 566 million, 414,401. That's the chances. One out of that number that 24 features would mathematically occur in a text. There's about that many chances that I'd actually be able to say that number. <laughs> so. Well, I couldn't say it if I just had it here. Yeah. I had to look at it. So that's if 24 occurred in a passage. And there are passages, multiple passages in the Bible, where 70 of these mathematical features occur. It's mind-blowing. You, it cannot happen accidentally, people. It had to be inspired by God. Mm. And I get so excited about that because if you're type A like me, I read this and I was like... Blown away. Okay. All right, there's my type A proof that the Bible is the living, breathing word of God and every word of it is inspired by our Lord and Savior and it just blows my mind. Okay, 
off of my little excitement there, but that's okay. And if, it's super and if there's cool. Those, those of you who are watching are not type A, and that just blew your mind because you didn't understand. There's so many other resources we can use that help prove yes. that the Word of God is living and active. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do want to mention this as well because sometimes we get caught into looking at other resources. There is that element of faith. Mm-hmm. Hebrews tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. So at some point or another, we do have to cross over that realm mm-hmm. of of unbelief and questioning to saying, God, I surrender and trust you. And that ties all back into the major theme we're talking about today. So God reaches us for those who are type A, like Mari and myself, but he also reaches those who are willing to say, I don't fully understand it, but I'm willing to trust you. Yeah. So, yeah. And the thing is that the other thing that changes your heart when you're type A is just getting into the word because he's going to speak to you through the word and he's going to change your heart through the word. So yeah, sometimes you need something else and you just, or you just want it, right? You just like have this desire to know it on a deeper level or know something and you research it. But the best way to get your heart to surrender is just to go to his word each and every day because you cannot help but find him there. Um, so here's the other thing I think we really need to address when it comes to the Bible is you have to look at the entire thing. You, and I'm not saying read it from cover to cover. I'm saying you cannot pick out little pieces of scripture. It's really dangerous to do that. So um, if you're sitting there right now, and I'm sure that we, most of us have heard this, money is the root of all evil. Heard that? Heard that. Heard yeah, that. right? It's, and people quote that all the time. Oh, but it says in the Bible, money is the root of all evil. No, 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 no. In 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. So please, please, please be careful when you hear somebody quote scripture, go to your own word, look it up yourself, read the verses before, read the verses behind, who is speaking it, why are they speaking it, whom is it being said to, you cannot just go, okay, well, if the Bible is the living, breathing word of God, then okay, every single word in here I can take and I can use it. Everybody can use things in different ways, ways that aren't always good. Yeah, you think about uh, the story with Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. Satan used scripture. He just quoted it out of context. Absolutely. And, and so knowing scripture and knowing context is important, you yeah. know, and understanding the surrounding of it. I, I Recently, actually, I was studying in Romans, just to piggyback off that real quick. Yeah. You know, the, the common passage that people quote is, is Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. We we tend to use that as a comforting scripture. That's my scripture. That's on your my scripture bracelet. on your bracelet. That's funny. <laughs> we, but we tend to use that as a comforting scripture. But that Bible passage has nothing to do mm-hmm. with today. Because the immediate following up passage is talking about eternity. Yep. God works it all out in the big picture. And yes, we can trust him for the everyday. But, but when we take it out of context, we have no clue what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is really talking about. So it's important Amen. when we study the word of God, because we're going back to lordship and obedience, we can't cherry pick scripture. Nope. We trust that it is completely inspired and we need to read it in its complete entirety. So reading it, what is the, what's being said in the verse beforehand and afterhand, we don't want to twist it to make our own thing because that's exactly what Satan did. Yes. Amen. Amen. And that kind of brings us to our next section, our big theme here, which is sanctification. That's huge, a big word. Huge word, <laughs> right? I, I think I was a Christian for years before I even understood that word. So, um, I mean, I looked up the actual definition, but I'm curious. What's your definition of sanctification? Uh, sanct- well, I'm trying to break down the Christianese in that. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, but sanctification is a really big word, and it talks about the process of Christ um, 
renewing us. We're made right standing with God at the moment of salvation, but sanctification is like it's a continual washing as we spend time with Jesus, mm-hmm. as we grow closer to the word, that we are, are made more in his likeness, more in his image. Absolutely. So if you look that up, there's a couple different definitions, but the definition that I found that really applies to this is it's the action or process of being freed from sin or purified. So we're being made more like Christ. Yeah. He's so renewing washing. Yep. every every day. Um, but that's that's like that's the question, right? So how? How does he do that? How does he make us more like him every day? And and can he make us more like him every day? And I would say there's a couple steps to that. Um, I think one we've been talking about. He can't make you more like himself if you're not in his word. Right. Right? You can't be obedient to his word if you're not in his word because you don't know it. And that, I think, is unfortunately a, a huge thing, too, with cultural Christianity. People don't know his word. Mm. So it's like trying to... to Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's trying to... Anyway, we'll get to that. But And it takes a daily surrender. You can't just say once, I pray, I believe, I repent, and then say, oh, yep. I'm like Jesus <laughs> because I asked him to forgive me, right? I, I mean, again, full transparency, I'm probably the, well, maybe one of the youngest Christians on staff, right? Not, be, not having come to Christ not that long ago. And by not that long ago, I mean like 11 years, not like yesterday. Um, <laughs> but it takes a daily surrender, a daily repentance. And I think we're kind of like onions, you know what I mean by that? There's layers. There's layers of yeah. us, right? There's layers of stink that get peeled off of us as we become more like Christ. <laughs> I, Mar- Mari's saying she had a lot of stink. <laughs> <laughs> well, but seriously, though, our old lives, our lives when we are conformed to this world, they aren't, they are kind of stinky. Mm-hmm. They are not all that they should be. And so he peels off these layers of us, but he cannot do that without us coming to him in willingness and saying, I surrender. And every year I feel like, there's a new sin. There's a new thing that we're, that we're working on and that he's working on in me because the old has died and new is coming, but that doesn't mean there's not more because mm. we live in this world. True. I think, I think where we need to go, because we've talked about, um, we've just kind of introed, we did a recap of what doctrine is. We talked about the importance of um, there being a difference between cultural Christianity and somebody following Christ, that, mm-hmm. that lordship and obedience is part of that. Mm-hmm. But but I think we need to examine some harder things that scripture actually talks about. Okay. You know, because we said that, you know, culture will have their own stance on things. And, and at the end of the day, if we're going to be a Christ follower, mm-hmm. we need to know what the word says and why we stand on that. Yes. So before we do that, let me just break it down one more time so we recenter and focus ourselves you know, when we say Christ is Lord, we're giving him complete control over our lives. Yes. That means he has the right to determine how we think, how we interact with other people, the worldview mm-hmm. he wants us to have. Mm-hmm. We're saying, Jesus, the way you view life, that's the way I'm going to view it. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at that, you know, we, we come to some harder things in scripture. Like when Jesus talked about, for example, in uh, Matthew... Chapter 7, verse 13 through 20, he says, narrow is the gate to eternity and mm. few find it. Mm. That, That's so convicting. Yeah, narrow. He says, few find it. Few find it. 
you know, and and unfortunately, like we we live in a world where Jesus is love, and 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 the world tries to tell us that he that love is tolerant, and and Jesus is saying, wait, time out. Yes, I'm love, but the way you're defining love is different. Yep. He said, I came down. Jesus came down to deal with the root issue of sin. To deal with the root issue that every single one of us deal with. We talked about that in last week's lesson. If you missed that, please go back and check that out. But but Jesus came down and dealt with the thing that every single person struggles with. Mm-hmm. And he, he put that to the cross. And he offers us a new nature. And, and he says that is the narrow gate. If we do not accept what Christ did for us, we'll never find eternity. And, and right now we, we do. We live in a world that defines love as acceptance and tolerance. And, and yeah. we all worship the same God who has many different names. And Christ is saying there's a narrow gate. Nope. It's uncomfortable. It makes mm-hmm. me uncomfortable. It should, it should make all of us uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it, 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 for those of us who know Jesus, it should put a fire in us to tell those who don't. Yes. The gate is narrow. Jesus said not many will find it. Those are, those are his words. And we need to take that serious. So, so that should re-energize us and fire us up to say, hey, I need to get out there to my community. I need to love my neighbors. I need to love my family members. I need to forgive other people so they can experience Christ for themselves. And, and that's just, this is just one step yeah. in understanding the lordship and obedience. If we jump over, again, if you're following us in the purple book, we're in lesson two. If you jump over... We look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, right? And it says, uh, the question is, you know, what is the reason that people live in sin and think that they're Christians? <laughs> I mean, that the scripture itself, when I looked at the scripture, doesn't really answer that. So it's kind of a general question. What, so what, what do you think is the reason why people call themselves Christians and live in sin? They think they're safe. Well, because they don't know the word. They don't mm. know the word or they don't believe that it is the word of God. And so they pick and choose, they cherry pick, and they're blinded by Satan. Like if you're not in God's word and you're not, you're, and you're not seeking him and surrendering to him and living under his lordship and obedience, which offers you protection, then I would say that's how they can be blinded by Satan. I mean, it's like a test, right? You, you, can't, you can't expect to pass a test. Getting through that narrow door is like passing a test. You can't expect to pass a test if you don't study for the test. Right. So if you don't know his word and you're not studying it, you're not going to be able to pass the test. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't. Well, and to jump right off of that, you know, the Bible does give us a lot of um, understanding of what lordship looks like in relationships to other believers and mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. And if we look at um, 1 Corinthians 5.11, mm-hmm. you know, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us a warning and says this. I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin, mm. is greedy, is a worshiper of idols, is abusive or a drunkard, someone who cheats other people, don't even eat with people. So like it, it sounds a little weird. Sounds like Paul's being harsh, right? Yeah. But what, what he's saying is the Christian church is meant to live pure and right before God. And, and yes, we want to love everybody. Yes. We want to serve others. We want to be a strong witness. But Paul is saying you need to make a separation. Mm-hmm. The church of God needs to make a separation between those who call themselves Christians and those who are in the wor- world. Yep. You ruin your witness. I want you to hear that. Mm-hmm. You ruin your witness when you claim to be a Christ follower but live in sin. And Paul is mm-hmm. saying separate yourselves from that. That way, unbelievers... People who don't even know the faith, they don't look at that person and say, well, that's a Christian. They've accepted him or her. 
you know, and, and so it sounds extreme, but it's, it's out of the zeal of preserving the faith out of the zeal of preserving the church and out of zeal of representing Christ well, we're supposed to separate ourselves and live right and holy before God. That's a Mm -hmm. huge part of lordship. And it doesn't mean that you don't still associate with people like that because you want to try to, I think really what he's addressing is those who are, are repeat offenders, if you will. Like they claim to be following the Lord and yet they are not changing. We're not seeing fruit in their lives, right? We're not, and you're going to define kind of what that is, but we're not seeing that they are following the Lord, but they're claiming they follow the Lord. So if you have breathed into their life and you've tried, then he's saying, no, that's it. That's it. You're done. They need to just figure it out on their own because you need to live as a witness. And if you are living it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 16, it says about, or actually just 14 right now, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Mm. Don't live your life with them. It doesn't mean don't associate. Don't live your life yoked to them like they are the main people in your life, right? Because then you're, you're going to get dragged down. A yoke is what they used to use on oxen. They used to pair oxen together so that they could share the load and we don't want to share the load of this life with somebody who's going to be dragging us backwards. Doesn't mean that they can't be looking on from the side, <laughs> but they should be looking on, seeing us equally yoked with a believer, faithfully, strongly moving forward, producing fruit and showing Christ's righteousness in our lives. Yeah. And, and, and again, going back to this, because this can be such a sensitive issue for people. Mm-hmm. The goal is to teach obedience to Christ. And so all of us have to define that line. You know, is my relationship with that person more important than my relationship with Christ? And if God's word is saying create a separation, if God wants us to live as as Jesus called us salt and light, that means we're we're literally the people that preserve the life on this planet. Jesus Mm -hmm. said you're the salt of the earth. You're what's preserving this. Then we need to be different than other people. Yes. And and. Sometimes what happens is when we associate with others who call themselves Christians and then continue to live in sin, they've decided they're not going to submit to um, a church. They're not going to submit to leadership. They're not going to submit to correction. When we continue to associate with people living like that, what we do is we say we accept exactly where you're at. Mm. And Christ is not looking for that. Yep. He's looking for change and he's looking for people who are surrendered to him. And, and I think that is probably the most important part of this lesson Obedience to Christ, lordship to Christ is about learning to adopt a kingdom mindset and live that out here in this world. Mm-hmm. And and that is a daily surrender. Listen, there are things in the Bible I'll be honest about. They're hard to swallow. Oh my gosh, yeah. They're hard to swallow. Yep. But you have to make that determination each and every day. Am I living to please Jesus mm-hmm. or am I living living to please others? And, and that's something we all will wrestle with. Jesus was tempted like every other man. Yep. But he lived the perfect life. He lived in submission to the Father. And he says, come and follow me. And so... And I just want to say, like, if you're not familiar with the word, um, how did Jesus overcome his temptations? Surrender to the Heavenly Father. Prayer. Time with the Heavenly Father. And Scripture. Mm. So if that was what the son of God, the living embodiment of God needed to overcome the temptations of this world, why on earth would we think we don't need that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. 
Well, we don't want to keep you any further. We're going to take a moment to pray with you guys. Again, we, we hope you're enjoying these videos as we're studying doctrine. It is the study of core beliefs and faith in the Bible. There's a lot more we can cover, but we always can't just get into that in the small time allotment that we have. But that's why we encourage you. You can pick up the purple book yep. at each campus. They're at our Next Steps counter. They're $10 each. You can continue the study on your own and be ready for us next week. Let's take a moment to pray for you guys, and we'll see you soon. So, dear Heavenly Father, mm. we thank you for today, God. As we get into the topic of lordship and obedience, God, that, that's, a, that's a tough issue. God, it's, it's, it really pulls at the heart of every single person, whether they've been in the church for a while or whether they're just exploring mm -hmm. it now. God, it pulls at us and calls us to surrender and obedience. Mm -hmm. And so, for other, I pray for those who are watching today, Lord, that if they are struggling in an area in your life, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would empower them to surrender, God. Mm -hmm. Lord, you said greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Lord, you are greater mm -hmm. than our habits our hangups, our addictions, Lord. God, you're greater than the temptations that'll draw us away from you. So Lord, I pray right now that you would show yourself as the bondage breaker in people's lives for yes. bad attitudes, bad mindsets, God. Mm -hmm. Lord, hearts that have been pulled from you, Lord, I pray for a surrender to your will. God, help us mm -hmm. be your church in this season, God. We want to love you and serve others well, and we need to first come back to a surrender of lordship and obedience. God, I pray that you would help us all Adopt that kingdom mindset in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys.